Purple Mafia with your host, Paladino Joey. Well, we'll see. The doctors would disagree, but what do they know? So let's just say that you'll pay me because it's in your interest to pay me. Is it worth it? I mean, you've won. Do you want to wipe everybody out? I don't feel I have to wipe everybody out, Tom. It's just my enemy. That's all. My father taught me many things. He taught me, keep your friends close, put your enemies close. These are wonderful things that we've achieved, and there's no limit to where we can go from here. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. Today is Monday, January the 9th, 2012, or, well, 2012, and it is <laughs> episode number 107, that's right, 107, of Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Dylan Richardson was the man kind enough to introduce me at the beginning of the introduction. And Purple Mafia is available on the thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. I thank each and every one of you. Each and every one of you, always, for downloading and listening to this show. I appreciate it oh so very much. It's available, again, on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> listenership has taken has kind of hit a valley a little bit of late because of the team. I mean, it just shows you, boy, oh boy, the fan interest in this team right now is about as low as it's probably ever been, and that's quite a shame. It really is. I mean, it's amazing what happens when you have a devastating interception by Brett Favre and a horrible, disappointing season the next year with Brett Favre and then a just a snowball, just even worse season the following year with a young rookie quarterback in, and, uh, and a new coach. It's like, what the hell? Like, really, what the hell is going on? That's pretty much where we stand right now as Minnesota Viking fans. The frustration mounts. But, but... There's a savior. Oh, yeah. There's a savior. The Minnesota Vikings have named Rick Spielman. That's right. Rick Spielman, the general manager. They promoted him to general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. Holy crap, Batman! But I'm excited. Well, eh, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, I think of worse things for the Vikings to do here. I mean, there are definitely worse things they could have done, worse options. They could have, uh, well, they could have just stayed with the status quo. They could have brought in some knucklehead who was absolutely, or who just would change everything and make it even more crazy. Um, granted, I would have liked if the knucklehead was an established uh, veteran like Bill Poland. That would not have been a bad idea had the Vikings brought him in. But apparently, he's just he's just too doggone moody for... Uh, the uh, Indianapolis Colts and I guess the Vikings and other teams at this point in time do not want to touch him. Well, as I sit behind the mic today, I'm <laughs> I'm sipping a bottle of LaCroix, lemon LaCroix mineral water. Uh-huh, yeah. That's right, lemon LaCroix mineral water. Aren't I cool? Well, okay, fine, I'm nerdy. But then again, there's nothing really nerdy about mineral water, is it? <laughs> no, I find it refreshing and relaxing. But the Vikings need to find something refreshing and relaxing, too. They need something 
to ma- to refresh. This team needs to be refreshed in a big way. Yes, it does. Um, there are all kinds of avenues we could all think of going, but uh, right now, well, with Rick Spielman in charge of the operations of football, like completely in charge of it, not sort of in charge of it, well, that's good. But at the same time, the head coach will continue to have full control of the coaching staff, so... If there's a member of the Vikings coaching staff that it just should not remain a member of the coaching staff, like Fred Pugich, possibly, uh, to name names, sorry, or even Mike Singletary or, or Bill Musgrave. A lot of you would believe that, that Bill Musgrave should move on. Well, <laughs> if Rick, if somebody like Rick Spielman believes that maybe they want to move on, well, he thinks that uh, Leslie Frazier should maintain that role. I guess that's a good thing. I mean, you don't necessarily want a dictatorship, but at the same time, you know, you know, you don't want a coach to like have no choice over who he can have in a staff. But at the same freaking time, if there's an incompetent member of the staff, wouldn't it be nice to have a a, a voice higher up than the coach to say this guy needs to go and that this bigger, this better guy is out there? Well, speaking of better guys out there, <laughs> hey, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> there's. Steve Spagnolo, yeah, Steve Steve Spagnolo is available, fired by the LA Rams, um, and of course the uh, former Tampa Bay Bucks coach as well, who has been in for an interview for a a, a, a high uh, defensive position, defensive assistant coaching position. What do, what do you think a high defensive coaching assistant position could be? Do you think it's linebackers coach or defensive backs coach? No, it's defensive coordinator. So. At least it kind of sort of sounds like they uh, are willing to possibly uh, go in a direction other than Fred Pugich, which I think would be uh, a good idea, because Fred Pugich apparently was bad enough that the players basically refused to continue to play the schemes that that Fred Pugich wanted to do over the course of the season, that that happened on multiple occasions. So that does tell you the coach uh, probably is incompetent. Probably... Uh, he certainly doesn't have the respect of the players. The players quit on him. And for better or worse, when the players quit on a coach, the coach has to go, right? I mean, it's just, it's not going to work. It's like you press the on button on a computer and it doesn't turn on. Well, okay. I mean, it just doesn't work. So you got to make some type of change there. You do. You do, unfortunately. It's just one of those type of deals. So, yeah, we're going to get to some of the... Uh, there's not really much for Twitter interactions. I'll get to it real quick, probably just to kind of get it over with. Um, well, actually, I'll get to the Twitters later. That's probably, yeah, I'll get to that later. This is Since there's so little, and it gets kind of near the end. Uh, when it comes to the Vikings, of course, we're talking about the offseason, the executive change, which I just mentioned, Rick Spielman. Um, yeah, that's where we're at right now. There's been no coaching changes officially. Actually, yes, there have been, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, there's also the problem, uh, the Twitter account though, twitter.com forward slash purple mafia show, twitter.com forward slash purple mafia show, the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash purple mafia show. Uh, we're going to get to the Facebook page first, Facebook page first. Um, there's not been, there's, there's been a little bit of talk about the coordinator position. Uh, there was a firing officially and what I found a little bit weird was, well, the Vikings, out of all the assistant coaches, out of all the assistant coaches on this staff, who do you think was the most likely to get fired? You know, who do you think would have been the best choice? Well, gosh darn it, it's got to be Carl Dunbar. What? 
Um, no, I don't think... <laughs> I, I was a bit surprised by that. Carl Dunbar? Really? Are, are you serious? Carl Dunbar was the, is the first to go? A little miffed by that. Carl Dunbar, really. The defensive line coach for the defensive line that's been very effective. Uh, but then again, I mean, Kevin Williams, not effective. Uh, Doyle, not effective. Guyon, not effective. Um, so I guess I guess you can kind of have a comeback there. Jared Allen is good. Brian Robinson is good. Um, you know, but whatever. Fred Evans, not very good either. So it's kind of like a mixed opinion type of deal. So really nobody on this team really played well outside of Jared Allen, Adrian Peterson, uh, Percy Harvin, and that's about it, I guess. And the kickers, ooh, the kickers, you know. That's about it, really, out of all the guys that played particularly well this year. The linebackers, very few quality tackles. I'm sure that term has been used out there, but I'm going to use it more often now. That's basically like you tackle the guy head-on and not like, you know, you're turning around to tackle the guy. You tackle the guy head-on. You don't let him get past you. You don't have to turn around to tackle him. That's not a quality tackle, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) And when linebackers are turning around to tackle a guy, that's usually not a good thing unless they, like, ran way into the backfield, which is not going to happen that often. Like once in a while, when you have a when you have a nice hole, but yeah, it's like whatever. Uh, also, other stuff we're going to get into into the show today. Of course, will be a bit more of the draft. You know, the third overall pick. We're not going to really get deeper into the draft. We very rarely do. Unfortunately, it seems like the Vikings barely do either. But <laughs> yeah, they a little bit of Doug Risebrow syndrome of the Minnesota Wild. Like you might have a hit on occasion, like not every year but a hit on occasion in the first round. And then after that, it's kind of like, oh, you know, it's kind of, you know. It's a bit hazy. You have a couple of hits, like maybe one or two semi-hits a year in like the sixth round, which is like great. How about the second round and the third and the fourth? You know, it'd be nice to bring in some players besides the Asher Allens and such of the world who've done absolutely nothing for this team over um, over several years. Really the best second-round pick probably in forever was probably E.J. Henderson a while ago. Um, look look at the 2010 draft. It's like, okay, Toby Gerhardt finally looks productive. And Chris Cook would have been... Chris Cook was doing well until he went off the deep end. But, yeah, anyhow, <laughs> that's about it, right? Uh, all kinds of mock drafts. Yeah, we'll get more into that here as we uh, get on the Facebook. Since they're going to talk about it, I'll get my opinions going into that. Immediately, so yep, we had Dan Taylor's uh, deal about he said it's the worst season ever, tied for worst season ever. So that's where we left off last time. Um, and then I talked about um, there. There was another guy, of course. There's the other guy, the Vikings. Uh, Matt Khalil is my top choice for the Minnesota Vikings, of course. Left tackle would be terrific to have him, but are we going to have him? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll just find out there. Indeed. Matt Khalil, of course, of USC. Then there's always then there's also Justin Blackman, who was like the top receiver. That's a possibility that's been floating around in all these mock drafts. It's pretty much Matt Khalil, Justin Blackman, and Morris Claiborne. Morris Claiborne of LSU, who was in the big show tonight, which I did not watch because I just didn't. Not available for it, and I'm not the hugest college guy, but to see Morris Claiborne I would have liked, but sorry, I'm not available tonight. Had to work. Of course. Uh, then there's another LSU cornerback that Anthony Batista brings up. We'll get into that. Uh, not sure if he's going to be available for the draft, but yeah, I'll get to that in a sec. But yeah, Morris Claiborne is the other one, with the possibility, the strong possibility remaining, 
that the St. Louis Rams will, in fact, take Morris Claiborne because, well, the two guys with the names Long <laughs> were taken in the 2008 draft. Well, the St. Louis Rams took the uh, the defensive one, unfortunately. So there you go. That was that's that. I believe the one that's Howie Long's uh, son. So unfortunately, that was the. I, I I thought he was the super duper left tackle. No, that one went to Miami. So that's too bad. Though St. Louis has taken left tackles. One of them moved to the right tackle because he just wasn't fit. He wasn't talented. He wasn't good enough to play the left tackle. So that was a miss there. And then they took another left tackle. So it's kind of a situation where Paul P.A. Paul Allen, the voice of the Vikings and the host of the Paul Allen show, is saying, why in the hell would the St. Louis Rams take uh, take the PR hit, a major PR hit, and take Matt Khalil? My opinion is, well, you still have to take the best player available, even if you do have to admit you screwed up. Like, I mean, the Timberwolves have admitted they screwed up at the point guard position in multiple occasions with Johnny Flynn and uh, Ramon Sessions. Those guys are no longer out with the team. <laughs> they wound up with Ricky Rubio, thank God. By the way, Timberwolves Explosion is available on the sportsstuff.com and iTunes. You talk about ratings, peaks and valleys, that one's peaking right now. Oof, Timberwolves Explosion, do check it out. Timberwolves fans and uh, other guys out there that you just want to listen to another sports podcast and it's our club, you know, Minnesota, so there you go. But, um, yeah, sometimes you have to admit a mistake and still take the best player available. If you truly believe Matt Khalil is a stud future uh, left tackle, then you have to take him. Um, but we hope the Rams don't. I personally hope the Rams don't, and I would love if the Vikings were able to land Matt Khalil from USC. But again, it would not kill me at all. I mean, one way or another, you're going to get an awesome football player with the third overall pick. I would hope anyway that it's not going to be some bust. But yeah, Morris Claiborne, overall just super stud, super stud uh, cornerback of LSU. Just super stud. Shut down, ball hawk, Everything, the whole kit and caboodle, Morris Claiborne is a franchise cornerback, which is something the Vikings really have never had. Uh, you could kind of say that about uh, Anton Winfield, but he's not really an interception machine, and he's not very big. But he's he's the closest thing to a franchise quarterback, cornerback without being one. I would say. I mean, I have loved Anton Winfield to death since he set foot in the in the Minnesota Vikings facilities back in 2004 when he signed the contract. I mean, Anton Winfield is the best cornerback since Carl Lee to play for the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, he is spectacular. And quite frankly, Carl Lee in the end was not that spectacular. But <laughs> I'm telling you, Anton Winfield is the real deal. Absolutely real deal. Best cornerback on the Vikings since Carl Lee. And I'm going to miss the hell out of him. Will he be a safety? Will Cedric Griffin, this idea has been brought up on multiple occasions, and heck, it was even brought up when he was drafted, that Cedric Griffin can absolutely, is a versatile guy that can play safety in the NFL, if not cornerback. He can play cornerback and safety. Uh, the possibility does exist and persists, according to multiple sources in Winter Park, that maybe Cedric Griffin will be a safety next year, that he may have played himself back into the, uh, back into the everyday lineup for every Sunday, whatever, lineup for the Minnesota Vikings in the past few weeks of the season, the final few weeks of the season, that uh, Cedric Griffin did improve, including, you know, and, uh, hey, if he can be a viable piece to the team and his attitude can be in the right place, apparently being a good Christian guy is Cedric uh, Griffin, um, I would hope and pray that, hey, you keep him and uh, it works out. I mean, it would be nice. So... I've ripped Cedric Griffin mercil- mercifully, I mean, whatever, I've, that's not a 
accurate saying at all, or accurate word at all. I have ripped Cedric Griffin mercilessly all season because I, you know, could not stand him. <laughs> he, he just, he, he was a terrible tackler. He t- even worse on coverage, and it was just like, I can't take this anymore. And his attitude is even worse. Like I refuse to even talk to the media just because. Well, if the media is, you know, the media is just evil, and I dare to talk to the media because I suck. You know, it's like, what, what the heck is that? How, how about some accountability and maturity here, buddy? I don't think the media is, like, calling you names and saying you suck right to your face. I mean, or, you know, some of them might be saying it behind your back a little bit, but not as much as me. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, that was funny, huh? Not as much as me, I guess. Because I'm not the one you're refusing to talk to. It's the other guys. Maybe someday I will be there. And I'll probably be nice to you and not as hard at the time if you are playing better. I hope you are. But with that said, yeah, it would be nice to have a franchise cornerback in Morris Claiborne as well. You have a franchise left tackle or a franchise cornerback coming to Minnesota or an elite receiver in Blackman. Um, Blackmon, that's kind of cool. But uh, we'll see how that turns out. We really will. Multiple, multiple uh, mock drafts. All over the place. Morris Claiborne, Matt Khalil, and uh, and and Blackman. I mean, it's it's all over the place. <laughs> Who will it be? I have no idea. Right now, if I was a betting man, and I had a Justin Blackman, by the way, of Oklahoma State, if I was a betting man and had a uh, opinion on who we're going to wind up with in the end, just from betting, not because like who we should take, because I think we should take Khalil. That's my top choice. But I kind of think it's gonna be Claiborne at this point in time, just because I think those uh, St. Louis Rams are gonna gonna take him. I kind of think the Rams are gonna take Matt Khalil, but we'll see. I mean, their secondary sucks too. Why not take Morris Claiborne up there? Some people have him have them taking Justin Blackman number two overall, which would be crazy. <laughs> but uh, hey, where weirder things have happened. <laughs> See, the Oakland Raiders, like, draft the last 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, end of story there. So, with all that said, um, Cedric Paulding, the other Cedric, the better Cedric, a lot better than Cedric Griffin, <laughs> says Claiborne would be an awesome pick. And, yeah, I think, you, yeah, yeah, he would be. I mean, you're getting a huge need, and you're getting a franchise player at that position. So, a franchise corner. So, there you go. Dan Taylor responds with, I'd be happier with him than a lineman. Uh, so apparently Taylor not leaning in the Matt Khalil department. Uh, he says, you can get good line depth at the top of the second round, but you don't get many D- top DBs late that late. Plus, he used to be wearing, he's used to be wearing purple at LSU. It's fate. Purple and gold, by the way. I, I'm sorry, Dan. I'm butchering what you said there, and that's terrible. Uh, Anthony Batista says, what about Tyron Matthew from LSU? Not sure if he's coming out. And as of right now, um, According to, well, yeah, as of right now, Taron Matthews not coming, but stuff can happen. You know, it's still a few months away, the draft is, so I'm not sure if you have to declare eligible by March 1st or what, I forget. I'll get more information on that when the time comes. And, uh, yeah, but as of right now, Taron Matthew, or Tran, Tyran Matthew, not on any uh, mock drafts, and uh, nobody's declared him, he's not declared eligible at this point, so there you go at this point in time. Good stuff, guys. Dan Taylor, Anthony Batista. Sebastian Bowles says, Haha, I, <laughs> I saw the Fire Chili sign on here, and I thought, Fire the Vikings secondary, that was pretty cool. He also brought up, because I added a little oddities section to the pur- uh, Purple Mafia lore, you know, Purple Mafia picture section and all that stuff. Oddities. 
And now there's like a widespread debate going around. Did the Vikings ever wear gold jerseys? Sebastian insists, yes, they did, that they wore them once in uh, 2005. So we'll see. Is it true? Is it not? For those of you out there that know, tell me. And, yeah, it would uh, it would be very cool if you were to call into the phone lines, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877, which is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Again, 209-736-7877. I always mention that, it's, that I say it too fast, but also you can always see the phone lines on the webpage, too. You know, it's right under where the show icon is, but... Yeah, there you go. That's the number. <laughs> Do call in, give your question, a comment, shout out, whatever would be terrific. Um, but yeah, that's it's a debate right now. It's been a debate going on. Did the Vikings ever wear a gold jerseys in one game, one single game? I don't remember it, but Sebastian insists that it was actually 2004. For some reason, I put 2005 up there. I don't know why. Maybe I was real tired. Uh, Brent Jacobson a very popular member of, <laughs> very cool member and popular member of Purple Mafia lore, says, I don't think they ever wore the gold jerseys. I kind of wish they would incorporate them as as a uh, third or fourth jersey, sort of like how the Bears have the orange third jersey. The Saints, had, have, had a, uh, the Saints have had a gold jersey, and the Giants have red third jerseys. Yeah, I definitely agree with the... Uh, Brent's take there. Yeah, I mean, why not have a third jersey? Gold it was, would be kind of strange, but yeah, you know, what? why not? I don't know. It's like for some reason I kind of do think they did. Sebastian says one time they did, they'd have to for a football game to put it as an official jersey. And Brent says, I guess I'll have to do some research on that. Sebastian says, please do. And Brent Jacobson basically comes out and says, no, it didn't happen, because he uh, he found some information saying that, uh, and, and I looked up the same thing, too, by the way. This is Minnesota Vikings introduced alternate purple pants when they redesigned the uniforms in 2005. They wore the pants twice with their white jerseys in 2005, and then once with their purple jerseys in 2007. But then hung them up until week 9 of the 2010 season when a team needed a spark she needed a spark excuse me they wore them once with the purple jerseys and once with the whites the vikes wore 1960s home throwbacks one year in 07 and 08 and twice during the 2009 campaign the throwbacks are usually worn against the bears and packers from wiki and yeah i love i love that i love when we play the bears and packers particularly at home we tend to wear retro jerseys when we play those guys, and it's it's so cool when we play the Bears and our Packers in the Dome. I love it. Uh, Sebastian says it was before, like, 2004. Brent comes back with, it would appear from the above that they never have worn the gold jerseys. Sebastian again insists, I see that, check 2004. But, uh, I don't know, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of hope Sebastian's right, just for the sake of it'd be cool. To know the Vikings did wear purple jerseys, or excuse me, gold jerseys. For some reason, I think maybe they did, but I can't remember. I I, I can't remember enough to flat out say they did. Uh, Tony L. Coleman comes up about the Vikings name. Rick Spielman, the general manager, very cool. I like it. I think if you were going to name a guy from within, it absolutely is Rick Spielman, and the Vikings agreed, apparently. Rick Spielman's the general manager. 
And there you go. The Vikings have had their first general manager since Mike Lynn, and uh, hopefully we don't make another Herschel Walker trade. <laughs> I mean, I've been reading about the Vikings' past kind of for fun, like the Vikings in the 80s for fun the past like week or so, just because. I mean, I have an old Viking book about a lot about the old Vikings from 1961 to 95. Good times. Nice. It's a good read. Very cool. It was a very cool 35-year anniversary book that came out back in 95. So I enjoyed it. Uh, it actually went through the 94 season, excuse me. But, yeah, it was a good time. Warren Moon's first year with the Vikings. Boy, that's a long time ago, huh? And that's where the book's history ended. So it just tells you old-school stuff. Very cool, though, Coney. Thank you for putting that up. Very cool indeed. like the Rick Spielman deal. Sebastian Balls puts up uh, a mock draft up there as well. That's has the Vikings taking Matt Khalil. Got it like that. Yeah, this is one. Uh, Huffington's Post, HuffingtonPost.com. Andrew Luck going to the Colts. Justin Blackman going to uh, the St. Louis Rams in that one. And Minnesota landing Southern Cal offensive tackle. Yeah, I think I know. I think we know who it is. That's right, Matt Khalil, Chris Tucker clicking like on that. I had to mention that because you know usually uh, we don't need to say who clicked like, but for this, yeah. Chris Tucker and I have been have long, long been highly, highly in support of the Vikings taking an offensive tackle the past several years. Any type of offensive lineman, but the, the tackle especially. And especially even more now with the bomb Bryant McKinney out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe you keep Lode Holt at right tackle for the time being. If he gets better, he gets better. If he doesn't, you replace him with a more suitable fit. But to get like a franchise left tackle, me and Chris Tucker would be just absolutely thrilled. And so would lots of other Minnesota Vikings fans, including somebody on Twitter that I'm going to get to. He, he's a new follower, maybe a listener of the show as well. Would be nice if he is. Sebastian Ball's very complimentary about the two thousand about episode number 106 last week. He says, yes, Joey. Chester Taylor, ha ha. I can't believe you remember that. Because I did bring up Chester Taylor in 06, and I even mentioned Sebastian. But, yeah. Or oh six in episode one oh six, he says okay. Episode one oh six is the best since we had that talk way long ago. Oh nine season third year listening to Purple Mafia, not too shabby. By the way, thanks for the gold star. We should have given Taylor the money. Just saying. Still, I think so. Um, I do think Chester Taylor wanted too much money, and the Vikings were in a financial position at the time. I probably couldn't keep him, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I love Chester Taylor. Losing him really sucks. And quite frankly, bringing him back into the fold, even at this point in time, wouldn't it certainly wouldn't kill me in any way, shape, or form. And that's why I brought him up uh, in episode 106. And thanks to Sebastian, he's in episode 107 again. Chester Taylor. <laughs> NFL trade rumors. Interesting. Sebastian posts again. He says, Joey, check out this. <laughs> check this out and look at all the big-name defenders. If the Vikings actually do something in the offseason, they might have a quality defense. Yeah, it would be cool. Do look at that list. It would be helpful for the Vikings to get some some of the defensive players out there. Uh, a lot of stuff in there. And at this point, it's really all about who we who we can sign in the, uh, the salary cap and do we want to just keep signing free agents or do we want to build through the draft? It's kind of it's kind of about that really. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, and there's a lot of old guys like Rondé Barber out there as you scour through the def- the uh, free agent list. 
Mike Finnegan is a guy who people have brought up more than once over the course of time. He would be a nice help. I do believe uh, Benny Sapp, I think, is going right back to the free agent. Brian Westbrook also out there. It'll be interesting to see what happens with all these guys. I mean, you know, Benny Sapp, they actually list him as a Miami Dolphin, which is kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, that's the defensive backs, the linebackers. Remember, they were brought up last week a couple. Well, we got to get, we got to keep Xavier Adebay, man. Oh, yeah. No, Aaron Henderson is a free agent. Heath Farwell. I don't know why they're listing him as Minnesota. That's kind of crazy. He's already gone to, uh, yeah, he was cut back in the, in the, uh, excuse me, back in the summer. So, not sure what's going on there. That's a little bit strange. It actually really is quite strange. <laughs> it's, um, Hey, I mean, there's guys out there you can get. Uh, Latroy Guy and Fred Evans are also free agents, which is kind of funny. Those are guys obviously on the team. Those are guys uh, not, I mean, a lot of guys are not going to be back. Really, there's going to be a lot of guys that are not going to be back on this team. And I guess good riddance to that for the most part. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like for the most part, they're probably not going to be back with the Vikings at some point. And uh, we'll find out who goes where at that point in time. I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen. It's going to be interesting. I mean, free agency. We'll get deeper into the actual free agency as we get closer and closer to it. But, <laughs> I mean, right now, I, 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 I think they really need to try to do the best they can to draft the right people. Uh, of course, there are free agents that do need to be signed. Yeah, Finnegan would be a nice addition, though. That's kind of a guy I would be looking at, quite honestly, if I were in the Vikings covenant so to speak that's definitely a guy i would at least be looking at he's not spectacular but he's better than you know some people he certainly is he certainly is better than some people out there it's going to be fun to see what happens it really is it's going to be extremely fun to see what happens with this team as we move forward into free agency i mean there's got to be good players out there it's just the list is so big, you get kind of cra- crazy, confused. Uh, tight ends, we're not even, I'm not even thinking about tight ends right now. Wide receivers, there's guys like Earl Bennett's a guy I kind of like a little bit. I wouldn't mind that. I think obviously the defense is more important, but eh. Eddie Royal's a guy I've never really cared about. Garcon on Indianapolis is not that great. Uh, Marcus Col- Marcus Colston, Marquise Colston, Harvey, uh, Robert Meacham, both of New, Jer- New Orleans. Those guys were brought up last week by uh, Mr. Brent Jacobson, Devin Aroma should do as a free agent. I would keep him. Greg Camarillo, I would let go. You know, guys like that. <clears throat> I would, uh, yeah, I mean, Wes Welker is a free agent. How about that? Dion Branch. There's so many free agents, it's unbelievable. Bernard Berrien, yeah. Uh, no, Bernard Berrien can stay where he is. <laughs> he absolutely can. There's, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, but I mean, every year there's names. Every year there's names, so it's kind of like whatever. Michael Bush is going to get paid by somebody. Definitely the running back, Michael Bush. Those are all huge names. Quarterback, we're not really worried about that. Sage Rosenfels is a free agent. I hope the Vikings keep him. I think he's the perfect third string veteran guy to help out the young guys. Matt Flynn is either going to stay in Green Bay or get massively overpaid by the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, sorry, Farzine, but. We all know what happened last time. You know, you signed a uh, backup to a super quarterback. <coughs> so that's good stuff. So thanks for the uh, free agent list there. Okay, good. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. 
Uh, Sebastian again. Yep, Sebastian again says, Sorry, Joey, but I'm going with Denver over New York Giants in the Super Bowl. Packers lose at home divisional round. That'd be hilarious. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get to the playoffs. Well, eventually when we get done with the Viking offseason talk, we'll get to the playoffs and do some predictions there. Again, we'll very, very briefly review the weekend and then do some predictions after that. This show is getting already kind of long as it is, so sorry all those of you that might think it's too long. Uh, it would be cool to see that happen. Uh, I think the two teams that could beat the Green Bay Packers are Denver or the Giants, quite honestly, and the Giants are going to play the Packers this weekend. That's right, and Denver did beat Pittsburgh. But there we go, getting ahead. Sebastian says he likes Tebow, and he tends to get it done. I basically respond with, yeah, I mean, the guy does win games. Sebastian comes back with, he is a gamer. And yes, he is. Tony Coleman is rooting for Detroit on Saturday. And unfortunately, the two 5,000-yard uh, quarterbacks, one of them had to go at the at the end of that game. And unfortunately, it was Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions. Dan Taylor with a massive, massive post on the Facebook of course, not going to read everything, but I'm going to try to kind of sort of break down things as I can here. Very, kind of try to keep it brief. You guys can check it out and read what he says here. It's very cool. In fact, I highly recommend it. Um, very cool. He basically says the review of this year, this will be very long. He says it was a truly a crappy season from a crappy team and worse than I expected coming into the year. I was expecting a difficult transition, six or seven wins at most. And that's kind of about what I was thinking, maybe up to ten. Ended up being a full-blown disaster, and looking back, if we could have gotten any of those second-half deals, easily been two or three more wins, and that's absolutely true. At quarterback, he says, keep the three we have, and I agree. I say keep the three quarterbacks, Ponder, Webb, and Sage Rosenfels. Why not? Why not bring Sage Rosenfels back? Absolutely, keep the quarterbacks. Do not draft a quarterback unless you have the number one overall pick. The Vikings don't, so let's not give a damn about the quarterback position. Running back, he says the AP injury is huge, and, and yes, it is. It's going to... The amazing thing about Adrian Peterson, I'm going to briefly say this, is a lot of the legendary running backs over the years, like Walter Payton, Terrell Davis, all those guys, even Robert Smith, which you could say a Vikings version of the legendary running backs and stuff, Adrian Peterson has had double-digit touchdowns in each of his first five seasons in the NFL. I mean, that is unbelievable. An amazing stat. And quite frankly, uh, last week on last show, I talked about how I, Walter Payton was before my time. I took the liberty um, this past weekend to watch an extended extended highlights of uh, Walter Payton's career, and I'm you know the jury's in. It's in. I, Walter Payton is the best running back of all time. There is no question anymore for me. And a lot of you out there would agree with that. But it's just, you sit down and watch extended highlight reels of, of that guy. Despite the fact, obviously, he played like 25 years ago. He's, he played his last game about 25 years ago. I mean, when you sit down, those of you youngsters out there, you sit down and watch guys, or even somebody my age who's, you know, who was a tiny kid when Walter Payton was done in 1987. I was only an 8-year-old. Um... And he wasn't as good in 87 as every uh, of his first previous 12 years. Uh, the guy was the best running back ever, and it's, and it's not even close. But what's really crazy, this great quick thing about certain running back on this team is the closest guy in the NFL, you know, watching extended uh, extended video on Walter Payton this past week, week and weekend, the closest guy to Walter Payton in style play and, and, and all that is Adrian Peterson in this in the current day age of the NFL. He is. Obviously a poor man's version. 
but at the same, because Walter Payne may have moves and abilities that do not exist at the running back position today. They don't. Just like Michael Jordan for the, you know, Michael Jordan in the NBA. There is nobody who will ever be that good again, I don't think. And I do think Walter Payton is the all-time Michael Jordan uh, at running back. And unfortunately, Chicago has both of those guys to their name. And that sucks. <laughs> Too bad they're not in Minnesota. But luckily, the closest thing to Walter Payton in the modern-day NFL, to me, is Adrian Peterson. The uh, one thing is uh, uh, Walter Payton did not have an ACL tear, ACL and MCL tear. Adrian Peterson had it at the end of his fifth season, and that's unfortunate. That's really unfortunate. So, hope for the best there. Basically, uh, he talks about the uh, depth of the running back. It's going to be, uh, if he says, if anybody can make a strong recovery, it's Adrian. Gerhardt did show massive in, uh, improvements, and I agree with that. He also has a knee injury to recover from. He talks about Booker. Too many fumbles. He won't be back. We said Caleb King, Jordan Todman at the end of the season. So, We'll have some young talent to take over the third down. Not sure what to think about Caleb King or Jordan Todman at this point. We'll just see how that goes. He basically says the O-line sucks. Hutchinson could retire or be cut. Herrera hasn't recovered from his knee problems and hold hold is just average. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. He actually says we should keep Charlie Johnson, which surprised me a little bit. Move him to inside guard, which is more of his position. We need at least two starters here. Yeah, I think we need at least two starters, yeah. So, mm, that's an interesting thought. Move Charlie Johnson to guard. Interesting. Hmm. I mean, if it works, it works, I guess. Uh, He's got to be better than Matt Cook. Well, maybe. I don't know. He was terrible at left tackle. So, we'll see what happens there. Jim Kleinsasser is retired and will be missed. Shanko, we believe Shanko will be gone due to money and age, and I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, Rudolph. I mean, Rudolph to me absolutely is the future at tight end. There's no doubt about it. He talks about Diemperios to take over the majority of the blocking. So maybe Diemperio is the next uh, Jim Kleinsesser at this point. The tight end, tight end fullback deal with Diemperios, Ryan Diemperio. We'll see how that uh, how that turns out. But yeah, right now he's probably that guy. Wide receiver, he believes not as bad as everyone thinks. Harvin is awesome and probably our best player, aside of Peterson, but <laughs> um, talks about Camarillo. Yeah. Mario Manningham? Mario Manningham could be a good pickup if not too expensive. Hmm. Interesting. Very, very interesting thought there. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of good free agents like Colston, Welker. Uh, you know, it's a big list. You know, again, check out the free agent list. I think wide receiver is the most generous position in free agency this year. Honest to God, there are some pieces at every position, and we all know that. Very rarely you're going to get a stud offensive tackle in free agency. Very rarely you're going to get a stud defensive lineman in free agency. But wide receivers is pretty juicy this year, folks, and uh, I like it. (laughs) I like it. Defensive end, as we move on quickly here, Jared Allen played like the defensive player of the year. Says Robinson is a great replacement for Ray Edwards, and I think he was. Three forced fumbles, eight sacks, good stuff. Griffin is emerging, yes, and he got two forced fumbles as well. Uh huh. I do think Everson Griffin will be a starting defensive end in this league if he can continue to keep his uh, slate clean. Defensive tackle took a huge step back. I agree, and I'll leave it at that. You know, <laughs> Adoyle was terrible. Yeah, Evans and Guyon dropped and couldn't stop the run. Yeah. 
He's optimistic about Ballard, so we'll see what goes there. Linebacker, amazingly average. EJ looks at the last step. I agree with that. Greenway took a step back. Aaron Henderson surprised me by being a solid player and a pretty good pass rusher, but nothing spectacular. See? I mean, that's the deal. Linebacker is just, it's not that good. I would not mind a multiple upgrades to the linebacker position. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. Uh, Jasper Brinkley, don't forget, did go out with a knee injury. We'll see if, but is Jasper Brinkley ever going to be a starter in this league? I don't know. I think he's better at special teams and backup. <laughs> Cedric Griffin, basically. Oh, no, he talks about how uh, the secondary, oh, that's an absolute mess. Claiborne would be good. Sap would be fine. Basically, get two starters and cut everybody, basically, is what he's saying there. Cut basically everybody. Uh, Abdullah was good before going on IR. Cut everyone else, yeah, especially at the safety. Antoine Winfield, looking to see what he says. He says, at corner only when Antoine Win- only Winfield could start anywhere else. And I think injuries are catching up with him. Yeah. Special teams, yeah. And you kind of get the idea. Cluey, good punter. The kicker is good. He talks about how this is a big lead, big, big post, and that's true. He's rooting for the Ravens to win the Super Bowl, and uh, that should be fun. That should be fun. So I tried to kind of break it down as I could. I mean, if I read the whole thing, it would have been longer. So don't be too mad at me out there, guys. And thanks for an awesome post, Dan Taylor. And for that, Dan Taylor, that's right. Dan Taylor, you get the gold star. That's right, you get the gold star for this week's Purple Mafia. Again, for that, Dan Taylor, very cool. Very much appreciated. There you go. Good times. Great oldies there, right? No, not great oldies. So let's quickly get to the Twitter here. Uh, the only real thing, Brian Svensson, Svensson, I hope, uh, Svensson, Brian Svensson, who's also a Timberwolves fan as well. He's actually got a Timberwolves logo up right now. He had a Matt Khalil uh, logo on there. That would have been cool. He says, I love that. Or, uh, but when we talked about Steve Stagnolo, he says he loves that idea. Hope the phone call has already been made. And yeah, Raheem Morris and uh, Steve Spagnolo, two possible candidates for the Vikings' uh, defensive coordinator position. To that, I love it. Mike Singletary is the other one uh, possibility, which I think is crazy. I don't think it'll happen either. And then a uh, more obscure guy as well out there. Had his name in front of me, not finding it right now. Know very little about him, and that's basically why not just leave it as is. I know very little about the guy, so more interested in. I'm more focused on the possibilities of Steve Spagnuolo or Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris has played the four-three and the uh, the three-four. I prefer the four-three, especially for the Minnesota Vikings and their horrible linebacker situation. Well, not horrible, but mediocre, amazingly mediocre linebacker situation. I'd prefer the four-three, and that again is Steve Spagnuolo. More of the 4-3 style. And, of course, other defensive coordinators out there. But if we can get Steve here in Minnesota, I would be so thrilled. So thrilled if we could wind up with him, the former New York Giants coordinator who won the Super Bowl. But, of course, had no success in St. Louis. And, I don't know, it just didn't work out there. That's just all there is to it. So we're going to conclude the uh, Viking talk uh, with, well, they're pretty much the Arden Hill situation. Basically, everybody's talking about the Arden Hill situation is pretty much not the right idea for the Minnesota Vikings to pursue the new stadium. Um, because they say the financial financials just will not add up in the end. Basically, everybody's discouraging the Vikings about the uh, 
Arden Hill situation, just time and time again, all political officials saying just focus on Minneapolis, focus on Minneapolis, focus on Minneapolis, and it's leaning closer and closer to the Minnesota Vikings pursuing Minneapolis just because they're going to have to, whereas right now, as of right now, uh, Jeff uh, Bagley has pretty much been consistently talking about how, you know, we prefer Arden Hills more than anything else, but it does kind of look towards Minneapolis now if the Vikings were to uh, wind up in wind up staying in Minnesota, which I do think they will in the end. We'll, uh, we'll see. Um, they're talking about the Basilica, folks. The Basilica is a possibility. The area of the area by the Basilica, like not tearing it down. But my question is, where would they put the stadium? Uh, like, what's going to get torn down? Because something is going to get torn down. There's a... I, I don't know. It's like by Lindale kind of over there, kind of by Loring Park almost. I don't know. What's going to get torn down? Where where would it go? Would it, what side of the freeway would it go on? Would it go close to Dunwoody? Or I'm not sure what's happening. I think it would be kind of cool to have a stadium over there, but where would it go? I, I don't know. And it's, it's, We're talking about a football stadium here, folks, with like, 50, with like 60 to 80,000 people sitting in it. We're not talking about Target Field where it's kind of just going higher up in the air, and 46,000. I mean, they're in Tiger F- Target Field is one of the smallest uh, baseball stadiums, folks. Baseball, ballpark, whatever. It's more of a ballpark than a stadium, to be honest. Um, Target Field, yeah, it's smaller because the Twins are not a 60,000-seat team. They're just not. They never will be. You know, they're just not. And uh, But the Vikings are a 60,000-plus type of team. They just, they don't, for, there's a lot of fans of the Vikings, there's a lot of fans of the National Football League. Hey, I, I, I don't get it, but it's, it's a cool idea. It's something I would have never thought about. I used to imagine the Twins building the stadium by Target, uh, Target Center, now that I finally can say that again. And then it, it just happened. I mean, I just randomly imagined it one day, and then it happened. So funny, it happened several years later. <laughs> I thought that'd be kind of cool if they put it by the Target Center. Wouldn't that be cool? But... Yeah, and then, but it's like, oh, it never happened, and then it did. Uh, obviously, the Matrome site is another spot, and I can't remember what the other one is. And it's it's not in that article, actually. It's not in the article that I read from the Star Tribune. So we'll cite Star Tribune as the uh, getting the information there for us. But we'll just see where things go there. The Basilica idea did kind of intrigue me. This Basilica area intrigued me. It's just I don't know exactly where they plan on doing it. And really, they have not revealed where to the public at this point in time. They're just talking about it and showing it, touring it, and all that stuff. And they're talking about how uh, there needs to be some type of deadline of what we're going to, of uh, what type of area we're going to pursue. The Vikings, anyway, are going to pursue by Thursday. So it's going to be very interesting. Things are getting, things are starting to heat up a little bit. Possibly, stuff could happen as soon as uh, January twenty-fifth. That's pretty soon. Something could really start heating up as soon as January 25th. So, very cool there. And I hope and pray for the best. That's pretty much all I can say about the stadium at this point in time. That's about it, folks. So, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get to the playoff uh, brief review and uh, preview for next weekend.
back here on Purple Mafia episode number 107, which is a reminder for iPod users, Microsoft Zune, other MP3 players, all that good stuff. So yeah, layoffs last weekend. Well, I picked Cincinnati to defeat Houston. Unfortunately, Cincinnati was crushed 31-10 to with the uh, <laughs> outstanding uh, third-string quarterback of the uh, Houston Texans. A strong defense by the Houston Texans, and well, there they are. They uh, they advance 31 to 10. Houston crushes the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals continue to lose playoff games. They haven't won a playoff game since 1988, and I don't know when they're going to win a playoff game. I don't know if they ever are going to win a playoff game. So remind me not to pick the Cincinnati Bengals. I have picked them every single time they've made the playoffs. I've picked them to win their first round game. I can't do it. I mean, if they're 16-0 next year, I'm not going to pick them to win. They'll probably blow it. You know, they'll probably blow it in the first or second round, whatever, first divisional round. Yeah, they'd actually, well, at least they'd finally be in the divisional round. (laughs) Yeah. Detroit Lions, hosted by the New Orleans Saints, so kindly, 5,000 yards for Drew Brees, 5,000 yards for Matthew Stafford, but the 5,000 yard of Drew Brees, as expected, defeats the Detroit Lions, Another team that never wins in the playoffs, no matter what. Not since 91 have they won a playoff game when they defeated the Dallas Cowboys. They had a 12-4 record. A very strong Detroit Lions team in 91. Made me believe that, boy, that's a that's a strong team. <laughs> yeah, No, they're not. Never have, never will be. Uh, but they did have Barry Sanders then. <laughs> they don't now. They don't have anybody running back. Uh, great passing game, but the Saints are just better, and they won. 45-28. Very simple. As everybody, I don't think anybody picked Detroit to win that game. Nobody. And here was mine. Not really a gutsy call, but a, certainly an accurate one. Uh, you look at the Atlanta Falcons, just loaded with talent. Offensively, defensively, quarterback, running back, receivers. I mean, why the hell aren't the Atlanta Falcons more successful in the postseason? Why? Why? I have no idea. And the New York Giants shut out the Atlanta Falcons defense completely. A 24-2 romping by the New York Giants. They finally win a home playoff game with uh, Eli Manning at quarterback. Oh, they've won road playoff games, and they're going to need to next week, but now I kind of I have a sneaky feeling they're going to make things very interesting next week. <laughs> we'll get to that in a sec. 24-2, obviously Atlanta's defense scored a safety. That's it. Atlanta's offense was completely shut down by the New York Giants. A very, very encouraging sign that the New York Giants could be uh, poised for another one of those miracle runs. Very, very possible. And they're going to play this year's version of the of the 2007 Patriots next week. Uh-huh. That's, of course, the Packers. Pittsburgh Steelers, yep, everybody on the, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people will probably pick the Steelers over the Denver Broncos. The Broncos did have an edge, in a way, because they were at home, and Tim Tebow just finds a way to win games. Absolutely finds a way to win games, and he did it again. And as I said before, as we head to the divisional round, if there's any team, if there's, I mean, there are two teams. There are two teams right now that I think could defeat the Green Bay Packers, and neither one of them are the New Orleans Saints, believe it or not. And yeah, maybe they're a distant third, but I think it's the two crazy teams, like Denver Broncos and New York Giants, teams that have a little bit of miracle, a little bit of magic in them, and teams that can frustrate people, like the New York Giants and the Denver Broncos. They can frustrate opposing quarterbacks, and for whatever reason, their offense gets it done when it needs to at the end. Denver, could could they make a miracle run all the way to the Super Bowl? 
I say no. I say absolutely not. But the possibility does exist. But let's do it in chronological order. And this is going to be a thriller. New Orleans Saints head to San Francisco. A classic. That That is just cool. Saints and 49ers. A classic matchup there, I believe, between two very strong football teams. 12 and 4, excuse me, 13 and 3 Saints. 13 and 3 San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers at home in the playoffs for the first time since 1862. Okay, excuse me, since 1997. So, to be a little more accurate, uh, that team did go to the conference finals and did lose to the Green Bay Packers eventually, despite the Giants, the 49ers had home field advantage that year with a 13-3 record over the Packers. The Packers returned to the Super Bowl only to lose to the Denver Broncos, which would be hilarious if that were to happen this year. But uh, um, I'm going... Last week I picked the, the, uh, the New Orleans Saints to win... I guess I'll stick with it. I, I really would love to see the 49ers win that game, but they did finish the season on a low note, and the and the Saints are scoring points at will, so the New Orleans Saints will defeat the San Francisco 49ers, despite the fact I really would love to see the Niners back in the conference championship game. I guess they're just not going to do it, though, unfortunately. So we'll just have to leave that as is. The Saints will win in a high-scoring game. Uh, the Saints will get 41. The 49ers will get 27. 41-27. San Francisco win, or excuse me, I, I wish. Saints win. So the other Saturday game, New England Patriots host the Denver Broncos. The New England Patriots ended the Denver Broncos' influential run earlier in the season. Broncos were winning games like crazy, which ultimately did lead this not very good football team into the postseason, believe it or not. All those wins. Tim Tebow took a team that looked like they were going to be 4-12 and this year. I made them 8-8, eight and eight, made them a very strong team, potentially, but I just don't think the Broncos are ready to, to go super far. The possibility exists, but I don't think it's going to happen. The Patriots, I think the Patriots know how to beat the Broncos, and I think they find a way to win, <laughs> but that's probably why the Broncos will win. And uh, one way or another, I think the Patriots' run will end by the conference championship. I don't think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. But I do think the Patriots return to the AFC championship game with a win over the Denver Broncos. I think they find a way to win this game because the Broncos looked so crappy against the Patriots last time they played. Baltimore always beats the Patriots, so if if and when the Ravens are waiting for them, they'll beat them. Yeah, you already know who, uh, so you already know who my AFC pick is over there. They are the next... Uh, game, Sunday at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. The Baltimore Ravens host the Houston Texans. Houston Texans walked all over the Cincinnati Bengals. A rookie quarterback and a defense that just wasn't ready to play. Well, Baltimore's got a better defense than Cincinnati, despite the fact the the Bengals do have a good defense. And the quarterback is more playoff-tested. They have a good running game. Baltimore Ravens beat the Houston Texans in a convincing fashion, I believe. I don't think there'll be very much uh, fear factor for the Baltimore Ravens in that game. I think they are the best team in the AFC, especially with Pittsburgh out of the way. The Baltimore Ravens are the class of the AFC, and they will take care of business against the Houston Texans. So now we go to the game of the week. <laughs> it's only, it's uh, yeah, it, it is the game of the week. I mean, you could say 49ers and Saints. In fact, that probably is, you know, Patriots and Broncos is real sexy too. I mean, the second round is so much better in the first round, isn't it? I mean, you have teams like Cincinnati, Detroit, Atlanta, 
whatever, you know, that aren't going to win. You just kind of can tell they're not going to. You figure Denver wasn't either, but they did. Crazy. I mean, Houston, you figure, is, is a non-factor. Is Houston going to go to the Super Bowl? Hell no. Uh, you know, teams like the Giants, you think probably not, but the way they took care of Atlanta, the way they did, watch out. <laughs> I think there is a, I think there is an almost 50% chance the New York Giants do something crazy and beat the Packers this Sunday. I can't pick them to do it, but I'm telling you, there is a 45% chance the New York Giants win this game, folks. Because it's the defensive, frustrating type of teams that tend to knock down these 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 elite, super-duper offensive juggernauts like the Packers and the 2007 Patriots. If any team can do it, it's the Giants in the, in the NFC. It's the Giants. <laughs> then the Giants would run into the Saints and probably, well, I don't know, they'd probably lose at that point. But we'll worry about that if and when the time comes. At this point, man, the Giants can win the game. I think the Packers will gut it out and win just because they're that good. And I have to go with it. 55% chance Packers win. I'll go with the twin. It's not going to be a, a romp, though. I mean, but then again, watch. 41-3, to right? Packers win. I mean, I mean, this, this, I mean, anything could happen in that game. If the Giants show up to play, oh my God, is Green Bay going to be in for a stare? But if the Giants, if the Giants, uh, if, the, if the Packers smell blood somewhere, we're talking 41 to 3, folks. I mean, and all because the Giants were only just 9 and 7 little baby. They're, they're not Goliath, even though their name sounds like it. They're not, you know. <laughs> they're, they're David, you know. And uh, the Packers are Goliath in that case, but I mean, this anything could happen in this game. Anything. It could be 41-3 Green Bay. I mean, the only thing that won't happen is the Giants blowing out the Packers, but it could be a blowout win for the Packers, it could be a gutted-out win for the Packers, or it could be a gutted-out heartbreaker for the Packers with the Giants going to the NFC Championship game against San Francisco or New Orleans, and boy would I love it if it was San Francisco. <laughs> That'd be cool. It'd be so cool. But uh, that's where I'm standing right now. Green Bay is going to advance, but I think New York has a chance, an absolute chance, to do some serious damage to the Green Bay Packers and end a 15-1 season on a very early and sour note. Oh my, would that sting for Green Bay Packers, and boy, would it make Viking fans feel better. Wouldn't it, though? Wouldn't it feel better? Mm -mm -mm. We'll see. We'll see what happens. (laughs) We indeed... We'll see what happens. I mean, the Giants are a crazy team, man. (laughs) They're crazy. Things happen when the Giants play, and those Broncos, who knows. But right now, I I don't think the Broncos will beat the Patriots. I just don't. So that's going to pretty much conclude things. Thank you guys again. Uh, do please do join the message boards on the sportsstuff.com. We'd appreciate it also very much. Simply go to the webpage, click on the button that says TSS boards in the front part of the front page of the website. Then click register, get your screen name going. You can chat in the forums, which are split up in the divisions, which is a cool idea by Dylan Richardson, creator and founder of the sportsstuff.com. Very, very cool. And of course, the host site for Purple Mafia. Very, very cool. Thank you again, Dylan, for the sportsstuff.com. And yeah, do join those message boards. It'd be also very cool. Don't forget the phone lines, 209 736 7877. Where are you, Sebastian? <laughs> 209 736 7877. 
It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention which show you're calling in for. It is Purple Mafia statement, shout out, question, comment, complaint, whatever. Get on this show, listen to me, talk to me. Hey, let's have some fun. Twitter.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Twitter.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Like and or follow those particular accounts would be oh so terrific. Thank you always for joining me. And uh, again, well, get your purple and gold jerseys with the Baltimore Ravens. Purple and gold jerseys with LSU Morris Claiborne, if he's the guy. (laughs) Or let's get Matt Khalil in town. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Would be cool. But regardless, the Vikings will do good in the draft. Unfortunately, the draft is a bajillion years away. Enjoy the playoffs, guys. Enjoy the playoffs. A, B, G, B. Anybody but Green Bay, right? Yeah, but that's probably who's going to win it. (laughs) But until it happens, we'll cheer against them as much as we can, won't we? All right, take care, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. (laughs) 